Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to the Ordinary Radical Podcast. It's going to be a great show. We're glad to be back with you. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. So glad you guys are listening in. I'm your host, Jonathan Hassey. We have our co-host, Brandon Boatner. Ordinary Radical Podcast is a disruptive biblical living of future conversation Q&As concerning a wide variety of topics to help you grow as disciples through the local church in leadership, discipleship, and mission. What's going on? Man, there's a lot going on. You're at you're at uh, youth camp right now. Yeah, right? I'm at youth camp. You're on location. Next <laughs> next week, I'll be at youth camp helping out. So so I, I thought when we became lead pastors, we, we could, you know, not sweat it out for a week in the summer. What happened? I thought too, man. I, I, in fact, I was in Nashville for the Southern Baptist Commission annual meeting, and I had to leave a little early so I could get here Wednesday night uh, for for our summer camp. We're having a great time; it's super fun. But I, I'm like wearing, going through like two or three T-shirts, and uh, I just say we're just suffering for Jesus, you know. That's <laughs> that's that's the persecution you go through. Okay, long suffering. <laughs> long suffering. I got Amen. you. How are you doing? Pretty good. I'm kind of losing my voice. So, listeners, if you notice my voice sounds a little kind of odd or off, it's because I am hanging with students. We're having a blast. Uh, we're having a good time. We're learning from Colossians 1.15, talking about the invisible God made visible through Jesus, uh, his supremacy, his excellency, his perfection. Uh, so it's been it's been real cool. It's been real cool. I mean, it's June. Were you enjoying your summer so far? I'm enjoying my summer, so I'm doing a lot of uh, coaching baseball and things like that. Uh, so, you know, being out in the heat, like today is supposed to, it's going to be triple digits again. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. We're supposed to hit some records locally, but um, the sports still continue, and the kids keep running. And so you get out and you have a good time with them. But no, it's going good. Church is going really good, too. And I think we have a great podcast today, right? Yeah, we do. And, you know, kind of speaking of, you're talking about doing baseball and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and building bridges with some of our children and younger people, I thought it would be appropriate for us to talk about this topic, reaching the next generation in our churches. So I think you're kind of preaching on that uh, even this week, huh? Yeah, we're talking quite a, a little bit about it because we're into Hebrews and we're talking about not forsaking the assembly, not uh, choosing, we're choosing to come to church and to uh, attend. Um, and one of the things I'm going to bring up is just how, especially a next generation, they think a lot differently than generations prior to them. Um, for instance, we've seen the uh, we've seen church attendance uh, drop. We've seen church membership drop. And the younger you are, the less likely you are to attend or become a member or uh, become uh, dedicated and, and entangled into a church a little bit. Uh, so that's tough. How do you reach those people? Yeah, I think that's that's awesome. You know, I was just kind of thinking about like you and I in our generation, you know, there was kind of like a religious affiliation. I think I was listening to a podcast recently and they call that, you know, like we say atheist or agnostic or Christianity. Uh, could you kind of expand on that a bit more? Like where is or kind of 21st century where we're living right now and the religious scope of affiliation uh, where people, you know, land on? Right. And so I'm part of the millennial generation. Uh, moving forward right now, the next biggest generation, they're, they're calling several things, but one of them, they're being associated as the nons. The nons, because uh, they're, they're non-religious. It's not that they're against religion or even agnostic. They just don't even think about God. 
which is really hard for me because to think about because growing up I wasn't raised church in the church but I thought about God and I and I would look at the heavens and I would think uh but our newest generation um they may go you know weeks days and they just, they just don't think about anything outside of what's right in front of them and impacting the world directly yeah you know I just think you know I think I, I can't remember who said this but you know or millennial or gen Gen X generations, we were kind of like in Jerusalem, but now with Gen Zs in the younger generation, next gens, they are kind of like in Babylon. You know, right. they understand the language of like even that when we use the Roman roads, and and I think it's a great tool to use evangelism. Mm -hmm. There's there's just not a knowledge there, and it's just so foreign. You know, my wife and I were just you know talking recently. I'm just like. You know, back in the days, people talked about gods in their everyday language, like, you know, in farming and, and the gods will watch over us. And, you know, um, but that is just so not today. You know, we, mm. it's a big hush, hush, no, no word. Don't mention God. So for us try to, you know, relate to where I'm speaking next gen, I'm thinking about like, or, you know, Generation Z. Mm. Um, you know, I think, I think, and I think there's a lot of statistics on that. We're kind of missing the mark, it seems like. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because a lot of our stuff is normed towards an older generation, a lot of the way we do things. And the church is not quick to change. The church is not quick to move into new uh, types of, of, of delivering gospel and, and, and reaching people. We get stuck. You know, so we're still using some of the methods that were good in the 90s. Um, and, and, you know, when I say the 90s, that you know, you're, you're Gen Z, like you said, the 90s is last century to them. That's a long, long, long time ago, right? And so uh, we got to kind of think through that a little bit because the the world and, and Satan in general, like he, 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 he moves at a quicker pace than we do when it comes to reaching people. So the question becomes, how do we reach this next generation? How do we, how do we hold on to them? And how do we raise them up in the Lord? Like those are like questions that uh, I'm wondering and I'm working through in my, in my own life. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I think one of the important things is to speak about this is, you know, I almost sense the tension, right? It's kind of like it becomes like us versus them, you know, it's kind of like the older people are wanting their traditions and they're saying, the younger people just, they're so progressive or liberal and they're this side, they don't get where at. And then, you know, I think the younger generation, like next gens or Gen Z's, mm. uh, they would feel like, well, they don't really want us, you know, they, right. you know, or they would say the language we want you. Um, we want to reach to you, but, you know, I think first and foremost, when we're talking about reaching, we need to know where these reaching of people are. So I guess, well, let me ask this question, you know, where are the next gens then? Where are the Gen Z's? Uh, where, where are they at? They're all around us. <laughs> they're everywhere. What do you mean? Um, but right. <laughs> they're not in the church. Yeah, you're right. You're right. On a Sunday morning, they're, they're doing their own thing. Now they, they may be, uh, volunteering. So there, there, there is a big heart in this group, in this generation, for volunteer work, for making a difference. Um, they just, they don't, they don't affiliate the church with making a difference. So that's a big deal. That's a big deal, right? They don't look at the church and think, well, the church is changing the world. This is a part something I want to be a part of. Um, they just think that the, they look at the church as it's, it's had its opportunity and it's failed, and so that they're, they're more generally more into uh, volunteering and doing things like that yeah yeah so i mean i mean there's a gap already i mean just 
I mean, cultural values, I mean, right? And there's, and I think, okay, I think these are some of the attempts that what churches have done in order to reach next generation. And, uh, and, and, and I think it's a myth, and I don't think it's working. And some that comes to my mind is, you know, in order to reach our people, we got to change our worship style. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to look cool and, you know, kind of trendy. We got to have the look and this and that, which I guess somewhat, sometimes it works, right? Or right. second, you know, in order for us to reach young generation, we got to change our building. We're going to have a cool building. We're going to get a bigger building. We're going to get big people in here. So it's attractional. It's consumeristic. Then we can reach more. They would say, like, um, well, in order for us to reach, then we got to get a cool, hip, young pastor, right? Mm. In their 30s or whatever. And they understand. And uh, because they get get them up on stage, we're going to begin to reflect that, right? right? Um, and so, you know, all these things come to my mind, um, you know, as we're reaching our young generation. But I don't think younger generation is attracted to that necessarily. Right. They're, they're, they don't. Well, for one, they don't have uh, children. Most a lot of your Gen Z don't have children yet. So if you're trying to do an attractional model where even if you're having like the fall fun fest, the bounce houses, all that stuff, they're, they're, they, they aren't. You're right. They're not attracted to that. They're not attracted necessarily um to the cool church although that that does bring some of them in, in the door but it doesn't make them stick right yeah so yeah. the question is what makes them stick yeah exactly you know so i think i think this is where it's so crucial for us to talk about this because it's like you know i don't think older people don't necessarily don't want that but but i think as a next gen myself and you you're your millennial I, I think what's a huge turnoff is, you know, we want your presence, but we don't want your opinion, mm. right? So we want you to come and sit and stay, but we don't want your leadership capacity. We don't really want you to hear your voice and your opinions about certain things. And that that is not very attractive, and nobody wants to stick around something like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There has to be a, a, a place for them to fill in, right? A place for them to, to hit. Um, they're also... Ha- they're also ha- it's it's a it's hard if you're listening right now if you're a pastor and you're like i want these young people i i want to reach and you're like but it's just hard you're exactly right it is so i'll tell you something that i'm going through right now my church is is an older church older population not a lot of young people i'm praying for an influx of young families and young people um we have everything in place in discipleship everything that, that i would think um would be successful but what i find is the same thing that we find in churches where they're working towards multi-ethnicity and things like that a young person comes in looks around sees that this majority old people leaves doesn't come back because they they don't they don't uh feel like they fit um so what you're talking about is absolutely true we have to have a spot for them to participate to get involved um but we also have to work against the fact that people feel like they don't fit because there's people that don't look like them around. Um, because you're never going to get those people if they keep leaving. You know, so it, it's a it's a catch point. It's really, really hard. It's a really hard subject. Yeah. You know, I, I do think, uh, you know, Barna Research did this kind of study on it. And uh, one of the things that they came out is they began to study d- these different churches, multi-ethnic or suburban or urban or rural different churches that are successful and growing uh, vibrantly healthy financially spiritually 
in you know in, in just every capacity they noticed that they interviewed this guy named uh you know let's say his name is bob you know and this bob this guy was really making impact in lives but they found out this guy was like a 60 plus year old man mm. you know and uh it was a what's up with bob well bob is willing to meet with me at a coffee shop he's showing up to you know the football game after you know xyz time and you know, so they begin to ask it like discipleship strategy, missional strategy, outreach strategy, how they do. And then what Bob did is crazy. He just wrote down on a piece of paper. He went to a public library. He scanned it and sent it. I mean, who scans at a public library today? You know, but, but you know, I think, you know, the, the cool thing in the trend today is actually authenticity is apologetic of our culture today. Mm. And um, when we are willing to show how much we care, because, you know, you know the saying, it says, People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care about them, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that with whatever age or stage of life, whatever vocation, location, we are on mission. But when we're intentional about reaching and building relationship with these families that we know their names, we're praying for them and we're reaching out to them. I think that's the way that actually we're going to win our next generation, right? Yeah, being authentic is, is definitely. But but I I would say that authenticity has been. Um, ever since the millennials, really the Gen Zs, I mean the Gen X, authenticity has been very crucial. Uh, you know, before that, there was this picture of what a pastor looked like. If you think of what a pastor looks like now, I mean, it looks like you, right? So <laughs> you're not, you're, you wouldn't have been the picture of a pastor in the in the 50s or the 60s or the 70s. Uh, and I definitely would have with my baldness and all my tattoos. Um, you know, yeah, but people look at us. And they see authenticity. They see um, us being ourselves, and we're transformed in Christ, but we don't lose our personality. Um, and we we acknowledge real issues. But that's probably a place we should go. I mean, one of the things dealing with authenticity is acknowledging real issues, right? Um, I was in a church one time where the pastor was talking about how um, he he more or less said that depression and things like that. Um, almost don't exist, and that they're really facsimiles of culture. Um, but that's just not true. You know, there, there there's chemical issues there in the brain. There's there's developmental issues. There's trauma, um, and so to be authentic, you have to be willing to talk about some of those difficult issues. Of course, that's in context of scripture. But tell me, I mean, I I can show you. You know, half the Psalms are, are laments, right? You know, we could talk depression, we can talk tra trauma and things like that. Um, so I, I think the next generation is in interested in that type of authenticity. Yeah, and I think one of the crucial elements that we're missing as well is that we cannot do discipleship apart from kind of where to preach on Hebrews 10, 25, right? right. To not neglect the assembly of believers. Right. I think it's for us not just have authenticity, but accountability. Mm -hmm. So what do you mean by that, Jonathan? Well, let me just bring you an example I had one time, uh, you know, at a church with a lady who was really just depressed and discouraged and didn't feel like part of the church. And I just began to ask questions like, okay, well, where, where have you been for the last six months? You know, I've we only see your family twice in the last six months. Well, my husband works and we got baseball going on. And then also we got, you know, this property away. And then we like going camping there and canoeing and this. And, you know, and I just say, you know, let me just encourage you. Like maybe part of your being discouraged and feeling divided is because you're neglecting your part mm -hmm. of really doing life with the church. I mean, and, and this is, 
we shouldn't be <laughs> ashamed about it because there's three things brought to you by letter B. You know, it's biblical to gather with the saints, right? Right. And it's beneficial. Like you will be edified and encouraged as we sing together and as we gather together and fellowship and pray over you. And third, also, you know, it, we're Baptists. You know, it's Baptistic. You know, our forefathers have done this for years. But somehow I think in our younger generation, they think, you know what? Church is an option. Membership is not required. I don't really have to be part of the church. I really don't have to gather. And right there, we have to leverage and pinpoint and say, no, that is not the case. Because it's not biblical. It's not beneficial. It's not Baptistic. That's good. Uh, that Hebrew lesson that I'll be doing on Sunday, um, he, has, he, has three, he has three areas also. And, and uh, you know, the book of Hebrews is really saying Jesus is greater than all else, therefore. Because I know Jesus is greater than all else, my life should look like, or I should do this, or X, Y, Z. It's that therefore push. And in verse 22, 23, and 24 of Hebrews chapter 10, he says, We should draw near with a true heart. He says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope, and let us not neglect to meet. There, there's The next generation has... Um, a disconnect, you know, they look at, if they, if they believe in Jesus, if, if they're curious about Jesus, they definitely don't think that he's greater than all else. They definitely don't think he's the main priority or the, the push of their life. They don't see that they, that they need to draw near. They don't see how he changes hearts. They don't see how he is the confession of our hope and how neglecting to be together, um, dual, it, it impacts us greatly. So part of what you're saying is, is, you know, showing them those things but the, but like you said how are we going to show them those things how are we going to teach them to come when they're not coming you talked about that guy who's going to them i think that's fantastic that's a great model for a, a 60 year old man i don't have the time <laughs> you know what i mean like my, i've got four sons and, I, and i'm and i'm living life with them and I'm, I'm doing ministry and i am evangelizing and stuff but don't have a lot of free nights um to go hit the baseball games uh um, and the ones that I'm at, I'm coaching, you know, so it's, 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 it's more difficult than, than, than we, than we necessarily have answers for it right now. And I think, I think I, I understand like, what does that look like? Right. You know, I think about like, you know, I think about Acts 2.42, you know, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and prayer and breaking of bread. You know, I think there's a devotion, right. And the idea of it in the Greek is koinonia. And I think koinonia comes when we begin to do life on life together. You know, so much to the point that, you know, Brandy, your joy becomes my joy. Your sorrow becomes my sorrow. Your grief becomes my grief because we've done life together as a church. And that cannot happen apart from the local church. You know, and some people say, well, you know, I'm part of a church, but the universal church. But that's just such a non-reality. It's just, it's anti-New Testament. You just don't see that really. It's. Um, and I'm just convinced that's one of the missing mark. Why we're not reaching our next generation? And, and you know, one of the things practically I do in my church is that you know I was like, somebody wants to spend time with me. I just say, hey, if you want to talk to me, I can't really talk to you one on one anymore. But you just got to come to my home. You go on a walk with my kids, or you you're dining in with me. You're going to be okay seeing the mess of my house. You're going to be okay because we, we can't clean up our house every time we have guests, you know. Mm -hmm. But we're just being really authentic, but also accountable as well, you know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. on my weekends, how I hang out, disciple train, you know, I, I reach out to this college student. But 
there's only my times. So I said, hey, if you want to be discipled by me, you got you to gotta meet with me at 6 a.m. We work out at the gym. So we physically working out, but afterwards we're going through the book of Galatians. We read one chapter. I ask questions. I ask application questions. And I say, how can we do this? And I'm bringing in other men in that time too. So, so I'm creatively thinking, how can I intentionally disciple next generation, whether students or young adults or college students or young families, right? But that's the way that we need to begin to think in the rhythm of life, right? Of not a typical in an office sitting down, uh, but, but trying to try to build these bridges, whether doing through baseball and reaching out in those stands, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's where they're at. Yeah, so you're, you're, you believe, you're saying that, um, you're, you're saying what discipleship is, right? To involve them into your life is a way to reach them. And I, I totally agree. We have to train our church to be able to do that because you, you're, Jonathan, uh, you're not... You're not enough man to disciple all the people, right? You know, you could you could do one, two, three, maybe. Um, but what about all those others that are falling to the, the wayside, right? And so our, our families, our, our, the men of our church, the women of our church, the spiritual parents of our church, they have to learn how to be spiritual parents and, and nurture people um, into their lives. Yeah, but here's, here's one area that I'm struggling with right now that I'm, that I'm hearing you say. This next generation is less committal, right? Mm, yeah. But what you're talking about, being involved in your life, is very committed. Waking up at 6 a.m. is very committed. Going to work out is very committed in general. And then doing Bible, that takes a special type of person. And I I, I, I'm, I would love, I'd love to meet those young people like that. But I just don't see a lot of the of that. So I'm trying to reach people that are not committal, that, that don't get committed. Um I'm thinking of someone right now who, who actually several young people right now in my in my church, you know, who consider themselves members of my church and two other churches, and they go to whichever one on a particular Sunday that they kind of feel like, depending on when they wake up, you know, and how do we switch something in them to where they go, okay, I'm going to commit for, for six weeks to do a study, or I'm going to commit, and I haven't seen that or been able to find that, that magic wand yet. Yeah, and I think it's hard, right? I mean, honestly, I mean... I, I struggle with that too, but you know, I often remind it when I look at scripture, it comforts me through the New Testament and the gospel accounts. You know, when I look at the disciples, they really didn't have their act together. I mean, in fact, a lot of them were pretty foolish, pretty kind of hot tempered, right? There weren't dropouts of rabbinic school, but what they did have, they had these three things. I call them fat disciples, okay? Mm-hmm. They were faithful, they were available, they were teachable, okay? Mm-hmm. So, like, for me, I just look at, okay, in my areas of ministry, not necessarily because they're a lawyer or they're a dentist or they're a doctor or they have high-paid, you know, uh, jobs. But I'm saying, okay, where they're faithful and committed, that if we call them out, they're willing to show up. Like, you know, we were helping up a, a widow uh, to clean up their house and pick up branches. He's there. He's faithful, showing up. And then I think about they're available. So I, I call them to the task, like, are you available this time to me? But if they are always busy, they're faithful, but they're just not available. They, well, I got a job. I've gone on the weekends. I'm, I, I'm, I'm only there once in three months, Jonathan. Well, I know that that's not the guy that, you know, the disciples are available, but also last but not least, they're teachable. They're not always arguing with me, but they're like, they have a sense of a spirit of teachability. 
they're not <clears throat> always say, well, this person said this, and there's a sense of um, a critical spirit. You know what I'm saying? Critical mind right. is good, it's humble, but also teachable. But a critical spirit is divisive and prideful, but, 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 but there's a sense that they're wanting to learn. You know what I'm saying? So I'm always looking at that and and I'm thinking, you know, specifically next gen, but also if your senior adults were faithful, available, teachable, I bring them under the wing uh, because they're not going to look at, well, you're this age, so you can't really teach me. Man, you know, I, I wouldn't be preaching on this this Sunday. You know, I truly believe immature Christians are hard to please and easy to offend. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Or the opposite. Mm-hmm. Mature Christians or, you know, they're, they're not hard to please and they're not easy, easily offended because they have the spirit of God in them and they're willing to learn, you know, and I need that too. Right. And how can we attract those people? It starts with the pulpit. It starts with the pastor, right? So I'm praying every day, Lord, search me, oh God, know my heart. If there's any wicked ways in me, lead me in the way everlasting. Convict me, right? So yeah. so I, I think I think it starts there, but it is hard to find, but, you know, that's where yeah. we're praying Luke 10 too. You know, Lord of Harvest, send laborers for the workers of you. If you just like you said, we're looking for fat, faithful, available, teachable. I think we can apply that directly to our pastorate as well. Okay, we need to be fat pastors. We need to be faithful. Be faithful to the the sheep that God has put into your building. Um, doesn't mean that that you you're necessarily satisfied or that you're content or that you're not trying to be a witness and reach. But you need to be faithful to who God has put in front of you. And if you have an older congregation, then you love them well and you do the best you can with that congregation. Um, so we need to be faithful to that. We need to be um, available, available towards opportunity, right? So I'm available so that I'm not so stuck in my traditions and in my way that I can't uh, pivot or shift um, whenever I feel the calling of God and the movement of God. When I see a, young fa- a couple young families come in and our church doesn't have a children's ministry, I, I'm going to look for some ways to to figure out, um, you know, how to get how to get someone to watch their kids if that's my model, or I'm going to invite them to keep their kids in the church, and that's if that's my model as well. You know, I'm going to be uh, available towards the calling of the Holy Spirit, and we want to be teachable as pastors. I want to know the trends. I want to know what young people feel and why they feel it. I want to read up on them. Um, I don't want to get stuck in my own ways. And I still want to do all those things without ever giving up the gospel. So for me, I think being a fat pastor probably is the healthiest way to continue and to to reach people, even though we're looking for fat people, right? (laughs) So uh, that's going to be my advice uh, kind of on this topic, I think. That's a good word. That's a good word. And I think, you know, that as pastors, too, we need to be courageous to call people out in and again, that's kind of like what Matthew 18 talks about. If they're in your flock and they're not being part of the church, they're not committed to what Hebrews 10.25 says, then we need to call them like, hey, the Lord has called us. It's clear here in Scripture, the mandate that you have a biblical imperative. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I guarantee you, they're going to tell you, the pastor, whoever you're listening, ministry leaders, you say, you know what? You sound legalistic right now. It sounds fair, sir. And I pivot and I turn around and I say, you know what? Obedience is not legalism. You know, in fact, when we look at like Ephesians 4, there's 15 through 20, uh, 23, I think, or 24, I believe. It talks about our mandate to speak truth and love and putting on Christ and putting off the old self. It talks about its holiness and righteousness. 
I say holiness is not legalism. Because we're doing unto Jesus and obedience unto Christ, right? So, so you know, when people don't want to live it because it makes them uncomfortable, you know, and it's a cost of following Jesus' obedience. And I said, you know, it's 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 part of what it means to be a Christian. And, right. and I unashamedly call you to three things, to attend, to give, and to serve Jesus. Why? Because when you commit to those, you, know, you tend to become a mature follower of Jesus who's mm-hmm. learning to live, love, lead like Jesus. And, uh, and that's a good thing, you know, and, and the Lord is honored through that. So as we probably close down we're hitting around the 30 minute right now so if you're listening right now and 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 you're you've heard us give a plethora of ideas realize that's because we don't have all the answers we don't we we're we're right alongside you we're talking through these issues um and we, we don't have all the answers but what we do have is a willing heart and a desire to see the church grow a desire to see the next generation love Jesus. And we believe that about you. Otherwise, you wouldn't have ever clicked on this link to listen to us. Um, so just stay faithful, all right? Uh, stay in prayer. Uh, seek the Lord. And whenever opportunities come, take them, but not at uh, the price of the sheep that God has given you. Um, know that there is no magic wand. And just because you have a fall fest doesn't mean you're going to get 12 families. Um so, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Um, where are you at, Mr. Uh, Jonathan, Mr. Hashi? Thanks for you know, listening in and checking us out. If you want to check out our previous episodes, it's available uh, you know, on our website or on, on, on your favorite listening podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Uh, you know, go, go ahead and give us a five-star review and contact us and let us know if there's any topic that you want us to cover on The Ordinary Radical podcast on leadership, discipleship, missiology, and church health. We love to cover that and talk to you. Follow us on twitter.com slash Jonathan Hashi, twitter.com and Brandon Bortner. So, yeah. So, <laughs> thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time on our episode. Bye, guys. Appreciate you.